This is Junk Drawer, a podcast of informal conversations about life and ministry at Seven Mile Road. Okay, today we want to talk about family worship. Uh, We could talk about personal devotions. We could talk about prayer times that a married couple may have. But today we want to specifically consider family worship, even assuming the presence of children and maybe even young children. And so as families that want to serve Jesus and follow him, one of the things we might do is worship him together as families at home. Uh, And so we want to do that, but maybe a a first thought would be, what makes that hard? So Sibby, what makes family worship hard? Yeah, historically for me, you know, prayer time, devotional time has not gone well or it has not been consistent. Uh, That's at the personal level. I thought when I got married, I'd do better at it. It didn't happen. And then I thought, surely when I have a kid, I'm going to lead my family well in this. And that honestly has not happened either. Uh, And I think just at a foundational heart level, uh, some of why it doesn't happen maybe is because I don't, I'm not convinced of the importance of it. Mm. I'm not convinced that prayer or time together considering God's word is valuable for for family. I think it's easy with anything, right? When things are going well, everything's going well, you just you're on cruise control, but then something hits the fan and all of a sudden you're aware of your dependence on God for everything. So mm. that brings you to seasons where you might do it better. But I think um even just the practicality of life, you know, there's a lot of other things that we tend to prioritize just because they're in front of us. There's things you have to do, tasks you have to get done, conversations you may have to have. And so prayer, family worship quickly goes down the priority list and it just never happens. Um, But then I think there's less noble uh, reasons why we don't do it. There might be a a Netflix special that you want to catch up on or a movie you want to watch. And so you just never do it because there are other th- things, honestly, that we prioritize more than this. Mm. I think when you brought up personal devotions, it, it makes a, a great point, which is just like any of the spiritual disciplines, this requires exactly that, discipline. And like everything that requires discipline, it's hard. It's hard to be consistent at it. And then when you've missed it, when one night of missing it misses turns into a few nights right. and a few weeks and a few months, then there's just the overwhelming guilt that comes and you don't know how to find your way back to trying again and, mm-hmm. and so on. Yeah, I can I can relate with that. And I think we've talked to people at the church who would say the same thing. You know, it, I failed at this a bunch. And there is that thought of when you have tried and tried and tried again, I'm, I'm almost scared to look at Steph if she's going to be angry at me when I say, hey, let's do family worship again. Mm-hmm. But she's she's been really gracious. But it takes some effort to get back on the horse again and say, let's try this for the hundredth time mm-hmm. again. Uh, and then even in addition to that, there's just, we're lazy sometimes. We don't want to do it, especially mm-hmm. after a long day. If you have kids and you're just doing all the things you have to do to take care of them or a long day at work, we are lazy. Um, and then even, I think, in our minds, whether we know it or not, we make family worship this big, uh, you know, insurmountable mountain that we think we can't climb. We make it, in our minds, uh, a big production that we have to put on. And so even our expectations are very high, I think, when it comes to family worship. Uh, so that's some of what has been hard. Uh, Ajay, how about for you? What's it looked like when it's actually gone well for you guys? Yeah, I think as I think about that, there's sort of three things that come to mind about the seasons in which family worship has gone well, at least for our family. Uh, the first would be just keeping it simple. Mm-hmm. I think uh, thinking that is just really freeing as you consider something like family worship. Uh, to your point, I do think what kills us is this idea of it being a big production, but keeping it simple. When you think about what we do at church, the basic ingredients are we sing songs, we read the Bible, and we pray. Mm. And so those three ingredients have been really freeing for our family to say, that's what we're going to do when we do family worship. Mm -hmm. We're going to sing a song, 
We're going to read the Bible and we're going to pray. It's not going to be an hour. It's not going to be this long thing where we're trying to wrangle everyone together and keep everyone. It's 10 to 15 minutes. That's been really freeing. We're keeping it simple. For 10 to 15 minutes, our family is going to sing a song. We're going to read a passage, perhaps talk about it, and pray. And that's it. Uh, A second thought is that we're going to expect and accept that it's not going to be perfect. Right, We're going to accept and expect that it's not going to be perfect, meaning we might have this dream of seven nights a week we're going to do this, and it doesn't happen, and then we feel guilty. And so we might say, okay, three nights a week we're going to do family worship, and that might be realistic for us, Mm -hmm. and and we're going to go after that. And and we don't have to imagine that we're going to have perfectly attentive kids who are going to stay with us the whole time. They might jump on the couch, and we might have to wrangle them and wrestle them, Mm -hmm. but we know it's not going to be perfect, but it is going to be unto the Lord using these three simple things. And then a third one would be, and this might sound contradictory, but it's that we're going to have high expectations, mm-hmm. right? E- expecting that it's not going to be perfect isn't the same thing as having no expectations. We can have high expectations in that we can expect our kids to engage this. I, I think this is just my personal opinion, but to some degree, I think our kids live up to our expectations, right. right? We expect them to go to school and sit in class and behave and listen to a teacher, but then I don't expect that they can sit for 15 minutes and sing a song and read the Bible and pray, mm-hmm. and I think they live up to that. And and I think to myself, this isn't for a lack of grace, but I wonder if that's their inability to sit mm-hmm. or my shortcoming as a dad. And so I, I think we're selling our kids short when we assume that they can't sit with us for 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, and so when we've had that high expectation, uh, we've found that God blesses that time. We at our family, we've gone through First uh, Samuel, Second Samuel, First mm-hmm. Kings, these Old Testament stories. And, and when it's gone well, the kids have engaged these mm-hmm. stories. We've acted out the stories. And, and even the next day when we try to go back to it, I'll have times where I say, okay, remember what we talked about yesterday. And I'm always struck by Mm -hmm. what they remember, what stories they remember, what names they remember. They get a lot more than I sometimes assume out of it. And so the other beautiful thing is to already see them at a young age making gospel connections, Mm -hmm. right? Like I was in my 30s when I discovered that the Bible is about Jesus and not just morals. And it's just amazing. And I think I've heard this from Sunday school teachers that our kids at Five, seven, nine, thirteen are making connections of stories to Jesus. It's just an incredible thing. And we have the opportunity of doing that at home, of helping them understand the scriptures that way. And I think the last thing is when we do it this way, we're in a sense training them for Sundays as well. So that when they get to church uh, and they have to sing and read and pray, that's not the first time they're seeing that. They've engaged that for perhaps multiple nights of the week at home already. And so it's not beyond their ability to do the same things at church as well. So I think there's just incredible benefit when we can keep it simple, when we can expect it to not be perfect and yet expect God to do something through it. Yeah, I think all of that's really good. And, you know, whether if we do it or don't do it, our kids learn from us all the time. They learn from what we're doing and not doing. And so I think we're communicating something to our kids when we do this, right? I remember, I mean, just two things. Like I remember growing up, my dad would always call us together to to do family worship. And especially when me and my sister were young, yeah, actually, even when we were teenagers, we would joke through it. We would giggle. We would make it hard for my dad sometimes. But now I look back at those things and see them as just wonderful moments of considering the importance of it mm-hmm. and uh, have learned so much from it. So I'm really thankful for my parents for that. And then two, like even 
uh, more recently, uh, you know, we will pray over a meal before we eat it as a family. And I remember one time a couple of weeks ago, I was about to bite into a chicken leg and Reagan, she tugs me mm-hmm. and she already has her hands together, ready to pray for the food, almost mm-hmm. reminding me to pray. Mm-hmm. And it meant the world to me. And we prayed together and she's mumbling something you can barely understand. But I think what's happened is she has seen a pattern of us praying for this. And so she knows even as a two year old that for some reason this is important. And we're building some of those disciplines and even at the young age. So Seven Mile Road, hopefully that's helpful to you. Uh, we confess together that this is hard, but it's worth it. And so hopefully this equips you and encourages you to get after family worship.